0: This is a CBC Podcast. The following podcast is about family relationships and the harms of colonization on Indigenous people in Canada. It contains depictions of racism and abuse. If you need support, you can find information about where to turn for help at cbc.ca slash the Herboriginal.
1: Streaming in behind the eagle were dancers, all dressed in regalia, shawls, headdresses, and moccasins. They came through in a weaving line, snaking their way across the floor, followed by drummers beating in perfect unison. Then the dancers started singing.
0: This is my ten-year-old son, Connell, reading from my novel, All Native. It's about a kid who's a lot like him, and a lot like me. At his first all-native basketball tournament, it's the opening ceremonies.
1: The dancing reminded him of something his grandpa had told him. He tapped his grandpa on the knee and said, Potlatch. His grandpa smiled and nodded and repeated the word softly, Potlatch.
0: I'm Rudy Kelly. This is the Herb Original, episode six, All Native. It's the second week of February. Besides the rain Prince Rupert is famous for, it's cold and windy. Not a good time to visit the city, one would think. The hotels are booked to capacity and restaurants are bringing in extra staff as thousands of indigenous people make their way by boat, bus and plane. They come from remote villages and cities to take part in BC's biggest basketball tournament and the biggest indigenous cultural event in Canada. The All-Native is its own season a force that nothing can stop. When I walk through it, I'm warmed by the sights. Elders from different nations sharing stories. Vendors selling art, clothing, and traditional delicacies. An auntie joyfully hugging a niece she hasn't seen in years. I hear players darting about the court, fans chanting a three-point shot being made. I smell traditional foods like fry bread, Charmaine with clams and halibut. And less traditional, hot gravy on fries and bologna and rice with ketchup and cream corn on the side. We're all family here. At All Native, we are one and we are strong.
2: I like the All Natives so much because you get to see all the people from different nations and whatnot, make new friends and just you know, it's it's a passion. We grew up with it on the coast and stuff, right? It's it's in our blood.
3: From Kikala and I like it because uh, you get to see different nations around from all over and get to make new friends.
0: Thank you.
4: I love coming to the All Native because it's nice to see all the nations gather and have a good time and, you know, we get to see old friends and it's exciting to cheer and just uh, enjoy each other's company.
0: When I was a kid, the All Native was like a second Christmas. And going to the All Native with my dad made it extra special it would take us forever to get to our seats. It was like the scene in the movie The Godfather, when the Mafia Don, dressed in his finest white suit and cape, makes his way through the street market like he's a member of the royal family. Everyone wanted to talk to the great Libby. Could my dad be any bigger? Yes. his grand entrance walking onto the gym floor for the opening ceremonies. The deafening sound of hundreds of people clapping and stomping on the wooden bleachers as he led in the dancers and dignitaries, the great Nice Wee Bass. He walked in slowly, proudly, wearing his huge black wool blanket with a red border It was dotted with over a thousand buttons made from abalone shell and emblazoned with a large eagle crest that spread from shoulder to shoulder. Wearing his tall wooden headdress, decorated with sea lion whiskers and white ermine fur, my dad stood as tall as any king. Oddly, I never saw my dad's regalia hanging in his closet or draped over the couch. I never even saw him putting it on. The only time I saw it was at important cultural events. It was like Clark Kent transforming into Superman. And it transformed all of us. To see him at his best. Not cruel, but benevolent. Not selfish, but supportive. A giant of leadership and principle. And that's the power of the all-Native. The talent, the pride, and the ritual that reminds us of who we are. We have seen our worst more than enough. Here, we see our best. All-Native is like our traditional potlatch, the most important gift-giving feast that was banned by the federal government until the 1950s. Even after the potlatch ban was lifted, large indigenous gatherings remained under scrutiny. Tribal meetings were held secretly, sometimes under the cover of a Christian gathering. But the All-Native helped to change that. The tournament began more than 60 years ago, proposed by a group of indigenous basketball fans, leaders, and business people in the back corner of the Empress Hotel bar. 15 teams entered that first year, and it's only grown since, with more teams and more divisions, including masters men and women. Before long, the event got so big that it took over the entire civic center, with a portable basketball court laid over the hockey rink. If my dad were still around, he would have loved how the event has grown. He especially would have liked the ring of seating around the arena court, so he wouldn't have to worry about getting up and going down the stairs anymore. I feel like I see my dad everywhere. in every elder that's shuffling to his seat, smiling and waving at old friends and new, I remember him at our last tournament together. There's a game about to start and we slowly make our way to the bleachers. He's wearing a white shirt and a dark blue jacket that closes with a jipper, the way my parents pronounce the word zipper. His gray pants are held up by suspenders, just like all the other old men. Limping on a bad knee, he carefully ascends the steps one at a time. When I offer to help, he swats my hand away. His dignity is as large as his stature. I have no idea that our journey together is drawing to a close. Once the game gets underway, my dad likes to remind me about all the past victories of the great players still on the court. And he loves to make predictions about the up-and-comers, who's going to be the next champion. Every person at this event has their own story. Like Laura Lewis, who plays with the urban team All My Relations. A collective of women from indigenous nations all over BC who share a passion for winning big on the basketball court.
5: Um, well, I'm here to play. And, you know, like the end goal, I think, for every team that comes to the All-Native Tournament is to win. And, um, you know, I, I genuinely come here not only to play and to play the game that um, I'm very passionate about, but also to meet family and relatives and extended family that I've never met before, but um, getting to know more of my roots.
0: Laura grew up in Vancouver, hundreds of kilometers from her indigenous family and traditions.
5: Before I was even born, my mom actually worked in the cannery here in Prince Ubert. Um, All of my siblings were pretty much born in Prince Ubert, along with myself. So, um, my mom was working here in 1994 and she was working in the egg department. And then she just got off her night shift when she started feeling contractions. And lo and behold, it was me coming into the world. So my mom picked up her mom, my Gigi Laura, and drove herself to the hospital, and then then gave birth to me. So my mom eventually went back to work. She finished off the season, and then before I was even one years old, she took me back down to Vancouver where the rest of my siblings were.
0: I'm struck by how similar our stories are, even though Laura is much younger than me. I also grew up shaped by the cannery, coming into the world mid-shift, my mom rushing off to the hospital, and my mom, just like Laura's, was back on the cannery line the very next day. Laura, like me, is searching for her point of connection.
5: You know, and just being able to, like, and and spending time around people who are my family they tend to just oh did you meet james lewis's daughter this is james lewis's daughter she plays for vancouver and i'm like oh hi nice to meet you yes i know we're extended family it's great to meet you and i I can see the family resemblance
0: I never played organized basketball, but I did play a lot of sports. Floor hockey, softball, flag football. For me, the league was a brotherhood. Sure, we knocked heads and even came to blows, but we worked it out because we needed each other. For others, like Chris Sankey, basketball was more than just connection.
2: Man, I started playing when I was five. Uh, you know, we had, uh, the old tire spoke wheel We took out the spokes and made a hoop <laughs> on the res and he nailed it up on a piece of plywood and that was your backboard and that was your hoop. Uh, man, I used to, I lived and breathed that game pretending I was in the all native hitting a winning shot. It was his salvation. Um, you can't dream. You can't, think of all the things that you want to do all you're worrying about is where you're going to get your next meal where your clothes are going to come from you hope your parents are going to fight today and and so that's why i turned to basketball because when i played the game it it shut everything out and all i focused on was how could i beat the guy in front of me and how could i beat the team that we're playing and how best can i help our team win and that's all i thought about And that's why i say basketball save my life
0: but sports alone is not enough to save everyone. James Harry grew up in Prince Rupert playing for his home community, the Heisla Braves. But then he left the Northwest for Vancouver looking for a better life. Instead, he found himself spinning out of control in the city's notorious East Side. I, I was
3: I was in the downtown East Side for a bit, and I was in his back alleys, in his doorways, up and down many hastings. I, after a, after a lengthy uh, about a seven day binge, you know, just strictly solely drugs, no no food, no water, no sleep. I was uh, I one night uh, after all the money was gone, all the friends that thought were friends were gone. You know, I was walking around aimlessly in that p- pouring rain, and I I I walked up. I was walking up Pender, and I came across. Across Columbia, and I, I stepped up and I on a sidewalk, and I I had this epiphany. I'm, what am I doing here? Why am I here? My my family's waiting for me patiently home while I'm being selfish, and I have more to offer this world than what I'm doing.
0: James' story is familiar. I've been there too, partying hard, living dangerously, trying to drown the pain I had inherited from my father rather than confronting it. I was putting myself at risk and hurting the people I loved.
3: So one night. We, the wife and I were on a, you know, we were on a two, three-day bender, and and as we made our way home after did a walk of shame through our community, and uh, we I was just praying that our kids weren't weren't awake because I, I didn't know I did like didn't like them seeing me in that state. But uh, they, they, were, they were awake, they were sleeping on the couch, you know, and we walked in, and they were, they were happy to see us, they were happy that we were alive, that we were okay, but those, those happy eyes quickly went to sad eyes.
0: I have seen those sad eyes myself. Too many of us have. I knew that if I didn't stop, if I couldn't be strong, my own children could find themselves on the same path. James worked hard to beat his addiction and then fate rewarded him with an opportunity that would change his life. A Heisler band counselor ran into James in Vancouver. He was desperately searching for his son who had been missing for months. James knew where to look and when he found the missing son James asked him the same questions he had asked himself.
3: I said, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of this life? are you tired of... Where are you going to sleep? If you're going to be warm, you know, if you have to watch your back all the time, you know? And he goes, yeah, I am. And he goes, uh, I do want to go home.
0: And then, a few days later, as James was driving through the east side.
3: Just I saw this blur in there, this blur in the corner of my eye. And there he was, there was this guy, literally doing a sprint across the road. And yeah, so I pulled up and opened the van door from our, the, the jalopy, jalopy that we had. And uh, off we went and took him home. Took the 18-hour drive home. Had a couple of snowstorms on the way, but we got him home.
0: Now James works full-time for the Heisla Band, helping others who are struggling. It's work he loves to do, not only in Vancouver, but at the all-native.
3: I was an angry boy. I turned into an angry man. That has a lot to do with the the traumas I was holding on to. And now that... Now that we've, uh, now that I've changed my life for the better, and uh, I know that we have a lot of people who are through intergenerational traumas and in residential school that are suffering and are falling through the cracks. So, so to be here to, you know, to, and to see when I'm sitting here and, I'm, and my person shows emotion and they show, they talk about, they talk about, and they're letting go of what, what has hurt them. That's, I guess you could say, that's a new addiction. I love to see our people heal. We can't move forward unless we heal.
0: Moving forward to a better place. When I walk through the All-Native, I see joy smiles and laughter, hope because we're still here. But there is still baggage, pain and a lingering sadness that I see etched on the faces of elders deep in their eyes. It's a look I saw on my dad during his last Christmas with us. The clock had struck midnight, sparking the traditional round of hugs and handshakes. I went to my dad first, sitting in his wheelchair and I leaned into his arms and said Merry Christmas dad my dad said Merry Christmas and then when I started to pull away he pulled me back and whispered I'm sorry boy at that moment it was like we had been transported to a different dimension within the room still there but in another place a bubble just me and him And those three words I'm sorry boy After a moment He let me go And I stood up Looking at him His watery eyes And weak smile And I knew that the apology Was not for a particular incident And not specifically to me It was for his body of work The anger The abuse Leveled at all of us and it came now because he knew his days were numbered. I nodded, and the spell was broken by one of my sisters, who nudged me aside and went in for a hug. Memories of my dad still play out in my mind. Like at the dinner table, eating peanut butter and jam with no bread, just spooning it out of the jars right into his mouth. In the living room, laughing heartily at Red Skeleton or Johnny Carson. And I see him sitting in the bleachers at the All-Native. His hands are on his knees, and he jerks back occasionally, as if he's in the game. He always did that, moving with the athletes, like he was guiding them, helping them. And he lives on to the stories people share at the tournament, about him and the family. Your dad really helped me out once. I remember watching him sing at my daughter's wedding. He knew the language so well. Your sister was one of my best friends. We used to get into rock fights with your brothers. (laughs) Your mom was such a lovely lady. It's these stories of connection to my dad, my mom, my siblings, even my own kids that bring me back to All Native every year. Because without this connection, this place, we risk forgetting who we are. Connecting and healing comes in many forms. For Mona, it was returning to her home village of lack
1: Well, in all the years, through the years, we've lived our lives together and uh, traveling and moving to different areas uh, and to move back in a complete circle to our hometown. It's a beautiful place. No, I have no regrets. I have a happy life. I look at it with the sun (laughs) shining.
0: For my cousin Sandra, it means carrying on the old ways with the words my father shared with her.
4: He said, means it keeps walking, it keeps moving. Our lo'oyem, he said, lo'oyem means it's so old, it's so old that even the oldest grandfathers can't remember how it started. Our adaw, and our adaw is our. Every house has a special history, a story, a dauch. It's their history. It's the true, true history of where they came from. And that keeps walking. And the same with our land. Always will be ours. No matter what anybody says, it's still ours. You keep. Passing it on, you keep you keep it moving. You, so even if you've only got a little bit, you keep it going. So those are my uncle's words that I try and keep in here all the time. <laughs> Yay! Okay.
0: And for me, it's always been sports. Being part of that community, that tribe, gave me strength. Flag football was my favorite. It was just us boys beating up on each other and slopping around in the mud. A brotherhood in our own little world. An escape from school, from home, from the streets, from my life. My dad also had a hard life. His parents were abusive. He was punished at school for speaking his language. How did sports help him to cope? By all accounts, he was a fantastic athlete, a soccer player and a boxer, but it was his prowess on the softball diamond that was hardest to live up to. My dad would come to my games to watch me play. If my team lost, he'd quickly pull out of the parking lot, leaving me standing on the muddy field, head hung, wishing I'd been better. But if we won, he'd honk his horn and shake his fist with a huge smile on his face. Once, after winning a championship game, he gave me a $100 bill to celebrate with. But neither my dad or I played basketball. The only one in the family to compete in the All-Native was my oldest brother in the inaugural event. And it looked like he might also be the last. But then... Along came my third son, Connell. At 10 years old, he loves basketball, and he's good. (laughs) So I'm sitting here with my son Connell, who is sitting in his maxi jersey, who is a player for who?
1: The Sixers.
0: All right. And that's your second favorite team? Yes. Okay, who's your best team? Who's your favorite?
1: The Warriors.
0: And uh, what you, if you had a dream scenario that you're playing in the All-Native and you're in the final, what would happen?
1: Um, I'd probably set a screen for one of my teammates for a mid-range jumper, and he'd barely make it.
0: Have you thought about a, a celebration, a type of celebration, any sort of trademark move or dance or, or anything like that uh, if you win the big game on the final shot?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> so you're just going to let it happen naturally?
1: Well, I'm probably going like, to start yelling and stuff. Okay.
0: His reply to my last shot question surprises me. Most would have seen themselves taking the winning shot, but he chose to be the guy protecting the shooter. A team player who wants to see others succeed. That's my boy. I watch Connell play every Sunday. I often see grandfathers there, many of whom were athletes themselves. Sometimes, I feel my dad sitting beside me, watching his grandson play, chuckling at his cockiness and putting a hand on my shoulder, which was all he needed to do to say, You did good, boy. Sometimes Connell's team wins. Sometimes they lose. Some games, he's on fire. Others, it's just not his day. Either way, I cheer for him. I smile when he looks up at me. And I always stick around, right to the end. He'll never see me leaving in disappointment. I want for Connell for all my boys is to be happy. And I want Connell to know who he is, that he's part white and part First Nations, and to be proud of that and explore it, as much as he wants, however he chooses to. To walk his own path as an herb original.
1: salmon
4: free in a river to a sea you swim away you must promise to return one day
0: The Original is written and produced by me, Rudy Kelly, and Carolina Direct. The sound editing is by Jeff Walter. The executive producers are Catherine Hansen, Jay Bertinoli, and Cheryl Tobin. Thanks to CFNR for the use of their all-native archives. And the Prince Rupert Public Library for providing the space to record many of the interviews used in this podcast. And special thanks to Jeff Turner and Jody Martinson for joining me on this journey. Listen to your
4: heart And you'll know what
0: And to all my fellow Aboriginals, Be they elders, my peers Or the next generation
4: Listen to your heart
0: Good luck in finding your place